0: Before you turn in your scriptures to today's passage, I want to start this morning off with a little bit of a survey. So, if you have a phone, take your phone out for me, would you? Take your phone out. Uh, and I usually don't ask you to do that, but I want to ask, start with a little survey this morning. And so, take your phone out, and we're going to use the number that we have been using for the QA. Type, And if you have any questions uh, regarding this morning's service, you can text in your questions using that number, and we'll discuss them for a few minutes at the end of service. But uh, I want to start off with a survey. So here's what you do. Take your phone out. Open your messaging app. Type that number into your messaging app, 617-826-9742. And I'm going to ask you one question in just a minute And I'm going to ask you to give me an answer in just a few words, maybe one to three words, four words at the most. All right, ready? Here's your question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Type that in, get your thumbs going, and just hit send. And uh, we're gonna start populating this list. Uh, Belmont is at a different point in the sermon, so I see their questions coming in, and now they're gonna get bombarded by all of our fears. Um, So Andrew's about to have to deal with all that. (laughs) Uh, So, what are you afraid of? And I'm just gonna start reading them. Here are our, because we've talked about this series, we wanna talk about what's going on in this room. So, who are the people in the room? What are we afraid of in this room? Here we go. What are we afraid of? Hold on. Let me get back. You guys are okay. It's fast. They're coming in fast and furious. Spiders. Being a failure. Some serious ones here. Getting dementia. Being alone. Public speaking. Spiders and sharks. Pain. Not being faithful. Not being enough. Failing God and my family. Death. Failure. My future purpose. Letting people down. Afraid of surveys, (laughs) speaking in front of a lot of people, dying, losing the people I love, surviving COVID, not getting to heaven, having missed the will of God, I have no fears, Jesus is in control. I'm afraid of always being alone, kids walking away from God, heights, dying without fulfilling my purpose, spiders again, (laughs) losing my family. Or becoming homeless. Some serious fear. Who's going to watch my kids if I die? Um, and yeah, that's still a few coming in. Getting spiritually lost on my journey, offending people. Here's that one. I'm afraid to die without Jesus. Lots of fears that we have in our lives. Lots of things that we often feel afraid of. Spiders, I think, is the winner today um, between first service and second service. Um, spiders seems to be the most popular answer. Uh, but uh, but lots of them, right? Lots of fears that a lot of us have, and a lot of us live our life. In light of some of those fears that we have. And some of them can become pretty debilitating and pretty controlling. And I want to talk a little bit about fears today. We've been talking in this series about the fact of, uh, that we're passing through this world as Christians. Uh, Peter, as we're looking at the book of Peter, uses the term exiles and sojourners. And an exile is someone who's living in a homeland that's not their own. A sojourner is someone who's passing through a land that's not their own. And when the Apostle Peter, this leader in the first century church, this writer of the book of First and Second Peter, when he talks about Christians living in this world, he refers to them as exiles and sojourners. That you're living in a world that isn't quite home for you and it isn't quite exactly uh, the place where God will eventually have you to end up, but you live here nonetheless. And anytime I think you're living as an exile or a sojourner, fear is probably gonna come into it. I mean, if you've, uh, some of you are living in a country that's not your home country right now. Uh, many of you, maybe this is your home country, but you've been to a foreign country. You know what that feels like, right? You know what that feels like to be a place that's not your home, that often fear is a part of that, especially when you first get there, right? There's lots of fears that can come up. Can I drink the water? Can I eat the food? Can I trust this person? Can I, you know, do I get into this cab? Do I get into this car? Lots of fears that can come up. And when you are living as an exile or a sojourner, as a follower of Christ, when the world and the values that are within you don't match up with the values in the world that is outside of you, fear can be... A big part of that as well can be a big driving factor in your life and in my life and it can cause us to react in all kinds of ways and we said as exiles and sojourners we've been saying in the series that there are different ways that christians have reacted throughout history when it comes to living in a world that's not your own one is hopeless compromise at times that you just give up and you just go along to get along and you just compromise to the culture that's around you. That can happen. Fear can maybe cause us to do that. Let me just act like the world around me. Or the other one is fearful isolation. And fear can certainly cause this, that we just pull back, we put up the walls, we put up the blinders, we lock everyone else out. We're gonna hide ourselves. We're gonna, we're gonna keep our distance and we're just gonna wait out the storm and we're gonna isolate or the other one is restless rebellion or restless revolt. We're not going to isolate. We're going to fight. We're, fear of loss sometimes can do this, and we're just going to put up our hands. We're going to fight whatever comes. And I think in, our, in the last 18 months, probably all of these reactions have been there because there's been a lot of fear around COVID. There's been a lot, I mean, There's been a lot of fear from the beginning. There's a lot of fear that's still there. If I could probably put one word on the last 18 months, fear probably is a huge one. And I think these uh, avenues have been taken by a lot of people. Sometimes hopeless compromise, we'll forget it. We'll just go along, get along, whatever. But sometimes fearful isolation, like that, I think that's been a big one. I'm going to hide and hoard. I'm going to just keep my distance. I'm going to just wait out the storm. Or maybe it's been this restless rebellion or revolt. i are going to fight. We're going <clears> to <throat> uh, rise up. And this has been a reaction sometimes. And, you know, how, how are we supposed to respond? How are we supposed to respond as Christians living in this time of exile? How are we supposed to deal with our fears? Well, we've been saying that uh, faithful engagement is the way that uh, the Bible calls us to live, that we're to be faithful to God and engaged with the world around us. Uh, and so what does that look like? So we've been using... Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, and this is what that verse says. Four things, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, and this morning's topic, fear God, and honor the emperor we'll talk about next week. But fear God. I want to talk for a few minutes about fearing God. And of all the things that you're afraid of and all the things that you fear and all the things that I fear, where does fear God? I didn't actually, first service or second service. I didn't see it. Uh, Maybe there was an answer there, one or two, but I really didn't see it as an answer. Now, maybe it's the way I pose the question. What are you afraid of? And you would say, well, I'm not afraid of God. So maybe that's not fair. But the Bible says several times that we're to fear God. Maybe that sounds strange to you. Because maybe you've been told, hey, I thought God loves us. I I just prayed that, right? I just prayed a couple minutes ago. I mean, we just sang, oh, come let us adore you, right? Adore is love and care. And you've been maybe told about a God that loves and cares for you, and God certainly does. And yet the Bible still says, fear God. In fact, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom in some places. So, So how are we supposed to, how do we balance these things? Fear of God and love of God. Or how do they fit together? A lot of analogies I think have been used over the years. One analogy is often the parent and the child, what that means, right? So you got a parent that loves the child, right? And and cares for that child and no doubt would do anything for that child, but also loves the child enough to correct and to discipline and to step in at times. In what might seem to be a hurtful way, but not a harmful way for the child, right? That discipline isn't always pleasant, but it helps. It doesn't harm. And sometimes that's the way maybe fear God is. I like the image C.S. Lewis uses in the Narnia Chronicles. How many of you are familiar with the Narnia Chronicles, right? The books or the movies? So C.S. Lewis, in writing the Narnia Chronicles, he uses for the Christ figure uh, the image of a lion right? And the lion's name is Aslan. And, uh, you know, lions are ferocious and they're powerful. And so in the midst of the Narnia Chronicles, in the midst of these books, at one point, some of the children who are in the book ask about the lion. And they said, well, is he a tame lion? Because I don't want to get in here a lion that's that's not tame, right? And the response is, No, he's not a tame lion, but he is good. And I think that paints a picture a little bit in the Bible, what it means to fear God, to know yet that he is loving and he's good, and yet he's not a house cat. He's not declawed. Like he's not your buddy and your pal. Like, yes, he loves you as a, as a father and even as a friend, the scriptures say, but he's also God. Like, to keep those things in perspective and to hold those things together at the same time, I think is what the Bible means by fear God. Like, to understand that you have all these lesser fears around you but if you would put the fear of God in the right place in your life, then these lesser fears would not have such a priority in your life and in mine. They would not dictate so much about how we live when we get the fear of God in the right place. So I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes this morning about that fear God aspect. And I want to look at what does it look like for a faithfully engaged Christian? What does it look like to live the life that fears God? For that, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 through 17. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. If you're using your chair rack Bible, it's on page 1015. Page 1015. First Peter chapter three. I don't know if you can read. It's a little dark in here. Can you guys read your Bibles in this? Use your phone. I don't know. But First Peter chapter three. There, you got a little more light. First Peter chapter three, uh, verses eight through seventeen. Actually, we're going to read. There you go. Thank you. Uh, page ten fifteen is where we're going to go. And here's why. Here's why I go to this passage. It doesn't say fear God in this passage. Um, Peter said that back in chapter two. But here's why I go to this passage. Because in this passage, if you're looking at it in your Bible, if you're looking at it in your Bible, you'll see in verse 10, you see that indented portion in your Bible, right? It starts, whoever desires to love life, that's in your that's indented. If you're looking at the scriptures, the reason that's indented is because he's quoting. And he's quoting Psalm 34. Peter's quoting Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 is a psalm written by King David And it's a psalm that has a lot to do with fear. And David writes in that psalm uh, about his fears, but he also writes that he also writes, I'm going to teach you about the fear of the Lord. Psalm 34 says that. And Peter quotes this, not only in this part of his letter, but in other parts as well. And so uh, we're going to read this section that I believe is all under that kind of umbrella of what does it look like to have a life that fears the Lord. If you fear God, here's how you can live, beginning in verse 8. Finally, Peter writes, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Two quick points that I want us to look at out of this passage about the life that fears the Lord. And the first is this fearing God will keep you from being troubled. Fearing God will keep you from being troubled. Verse 14 of this passage I read said this, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them nor be troubled. Nor be troubled. People who might revile you, people who might insult you, people who might persecute you, Peter says don't don't be troubled by them. Don't, don't let that bother you. Don't, don't, don't pay much attention to them. You're going to be all right. Well, how, how is it that you could live a life and not be troubled by those things? I mean, those things would trouble most of us. Those things would bother us. I think Peter would say that the way you do that is make sure your fear is in the right place. See, I, often I think we need to replace our fear. Not replace it with something else. We need to replace it to put it in the spot it belongs. We need to place our fear on God, not on the lesser things around us. Uh, And Peter's saying that is what can keep you from feeling and being troubled. Psalm 34, I said this is drawn off of, is a time when David was actually hiding for his life. He was actually hiding because a man named Saul, who was the previous king, was trying to kill him. And he hides in a cave in Psalm 34. And yet he says in that passage, and I'm just gonna go back there for a second. He says in that passage, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Then he says down in verse 11, come, O children, listen to me and I will teach you about the fear of the Lord. What keeps you and I from having to fear the things around us is when we have a proper understanding of who the Lord is in our lives. When you and I find ourselves in places that we're constantly fearing things around us, and I don't know what that is for you. Uh, well, I guess I do know what that is for you. It's spiders, and it's all kinds of things, but, but maybe it's more than you put in there. Maybe it's about the future, Maybe it's about what might happen. Maybe it's about what could happen. Maybe it's for your kids. Maybe it's for your parents. Maybe it's for your grandkids. Maybe it's for your grandparents. Maybe it's for a loved one. I don't know what your fear is. We often have those in our lives. And they can take over and they can be debilitating and they can dictate our actions in so many ways. And Peter's saying, the way out of that is not to sit there and to say, oh, I won't be afraid anymore. Because that doesn't work, does it? I mean, when you're anxious about something, the answer is not to say, okay, I just won't be anxious about that anymore. The answer is to shift your focus and shift your fear not to the things of this world, but to shift our fear to the Lord. To have our focus on the one who controls all of heaven, the one who nothing escapes his gaze or his hand, the one who's involved in our lives. And if we will lift our eyes to him, that we need not fear these things around us. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 10. He said, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Are not one of them And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. What Jesus is saying is whatever you fear is going to dictate your actions. And if you fear people around you, if you fear the world around you, it's going to dictate how you act and how you live. But if you put your fear in the proper place, that you'll reverence and respect and keep your eyes on God, that that will dictate your actions. And so he encourages us, he challenges us to fear God. That's why he puts it in one of these four things. Not just honor everyone, not just love the brotherhood, not just honor the emperor, but fear God. This will help you to live as exiles, and this will help you to live as those who are just passing through. Put your and my fears in perspective. But fear God will not only keep you from being trouble, fearing God will keep you from causing trouble. From causing trouble. Verse 9, Peter says this, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. I don't know about you, but when somebody reviles me, insults me, it's hard to return a blessing. When somebody wrongs you, when somebody treats you unjustly, it's hard to return that with a blessing. My flesh, and I guess your flesh probably, doesn't want to return a blessing. In fact, I'd like to return the same thing that they've done to me. I want them to feel the pain that I have felt. I mean, that's my temptation. That's my default. And I imagine I'm not alone in that. And yet Peter says, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but bless them instead. Well, how can you do this? I think this also flows out of a life that fears God most. When my honor and my respect and my eyes are upon the Lord, I don't have to worry about the fact that I've been treated unjustly and I've been wronged. I can't even bless someone who wrongs me. After all, this is the Lord that we serve. The Jesus who was on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The one who prayed for those who were crucifying him. I don't know how you do that without understanding and having your eyes upon God and not the things that are just around you. It'll keep you from causing trouble. When I fear God, I don't have to cause trouble. I don't have to with the world around me. If I can have my focus on the Lord. I I think this is David's situation in Psalm 34, part of the reason, again, that Peter quotes it, because he had the opportunity at one point to actually kill the man who was chasing him. Saul was in a cave, defenseless, unarmed, he was there. In fact, David's men were saying, look, God has put him in your hands. Just kill him. You, won't, you can be out of this. He won't, he won't chase you anymore. Just take him out. God has delivered him into your hands. And it was David's fear of God that he said, no, who am I to raise a hand against one that God put into power? If God wants him out, God can take him out without my help. It's the fear of God. It's the respect and honor for God that allows David to say, no, he's trying to kill me, but I'm not going to take his life. He's trying to hurt me, but I'm not going to hurt him. I don't know what else gives someone the ability to be able to respond and act in that way. This is the, whether you have the fear of God in your life, you can live this way that Peter is talking about us living. It will keep you not only from being troubled, it will keep you and I from causing trouble. It's true in the lives of, I think, if we go back to the kids and parents illustration as well, right? That how many kids, uh, maybe you, when you were a teenager, child, how many of you made decisions uh, and and caused trouble (laughs) when you got your eyes more on fearing your peers than maybe your parents or your guardians or your loved ones, that we make poor decisions and we end up causing trouble when we lose sight of the fact of what, where our true allegiance and where our true respect and honor and fear should be. Maybe you were a teenager and you were out someplace and somebody said, hey, drink this or, hey, smoke this. And your response is, my parents would kill me. And you didn't mean in that moment they'd literally kill you. I don't think you did in that moment. But you meant, no, 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 I've got so much honor, respect, and fear. Like, I'm not going to do that. And it will keep you from not only being troubled, but causing trouble. And the same thing when you serve and honor and walk with the Lord, that there'll be times when you're like, no, 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 that's not what God would want for me. And that's where my fear needs to be. That's where my respect, that's where my allegiance needs to be more than on anyone around me who could cause me fear. Jesus said, "Don't, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. That's temporary. Your proper fear should be the one who's in control of your eternal soul. That's where your proper allegiance should be. That's what should really dictate your actions. That's where our fear should be. But it's not just the fact that we're not supposed to revile. It's not just the fact that you're supposed to bless when you're cursed. He goes on to say this in verse 15. Peter says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter's saying, look, you also not only need to bless when others curse you, but you also need to be able to share the love of Jesus and share the hope that you have with them. That this goes above and beyond. There'll be a world around you that's not only different, that you're not only exiles and sojourners, but you're also called to share Jesus' love with them and to share about the hope that you have with them. And here's what I love about this passage, because I think it speaks to what we've been talking about. Because if you are in fearful isolation, if you have pulled back and you have closed in the walls and you have shut everybody out and you have, you know, have your own little compound there and no one gets in and you're just waiting out the storm, then you will never be in a place where someone can ask you about the hope that you have because they can never get to you. They, they don't have access to you. You shut yourself off so they don't have access to ask, hey, how, how come how come you're not so rattled in this storm? Hey, hey, how come you're not thrown off so much by this? Hey, how come she said that to you and you didn't respond the way I would have responded? How come he treated you like that and you didn't respond the way I would have responded? Hey, how come... That's the case. You can't be in fearful isolation if you're going to be close enough for people to ask you those questions. You've got to be in faithful engagement. Staying faithful to God, engaged with the world around you. And because, and you could say, well, because this isn't really where my hope is. This isn't really where my identity is. This isn't really where my ultimate allegiance lies. Because I really... Am committed to God who loved me even when I treated him horribly. Even when I didn't, I am committed to a God who loved me even when I wasn't loving him. And so I try and do the same thing with people around me. Whatever your wording or verbiage would be, to give a defense for the hope that you have, you got to be close enough to do that. But it's not only that, I think Peter also talks against our restless. Rebellion, when he says, how are you supposed to give that answer? With gentleness and respect. If I've always got my arms up to fight, if I'm always looking for a fight, if I'm always getting defensive, then I really can't relate to you with gentleness and respect. When you show and share the love of Jesus with someone, Peter's saying it's supposed to be with gentleness and respect. The... um, close enough to be heard, close enough to be questioned, and gentle enough to be heard, that someone might listen to your answer and listen to your response. This is the life that Peter calls us to live, and I think it begins with a proper fear of God. And so in this world where we have so much that we had to be afraid of maybe in this last year, And maybe you got rocked and maybe that surprised you how fearful you got so quickly. With so, maybe something triggered something for you that you never thought would rock your world. The answer isn't to all of a sudden try and not be afraid of that thing. The answer is to replace your fear on God. To replace our focus on the Lord when you do that it'll keep you from being troubled and from causing trouble we're gonna I'm gonna ask our worship team to come back as we prepare to enter into time of communion I thought of one final illustration maybe that pictures what this life is like Um, I'm gonna need a communion cup can I get a communion cup from one of the ushers I didn't bring one with me for second service Um, for yeah please Sheila thank you so on vacation once in a while, uh, thank you, Sheila. Wendy and I have gone snorkeling. And as we've, uh, you can lift your hand, Sheila will bring you one too if you didn't get one. Wendy and I have gone snorkeling. And as we have, uh, you know, it's, it's snorkeling. Anyone been snorkeling? How many of you been snorkeling, right? It's fun and a little scary at the same time, Right? And I thought, what a good illustration of kind of being in exile, uh, because you are not in your homeland. You are not on your home turf, those of us that are bipeds and walk on dry ground most of the time. We are not in our home territory, right? Uh, And so you're kind of in this place that's a little strange and a little scary. And for Wendy, you know, especially getting used to breathing underwater and being in a place where, uh, you know, me too, like sometimes it's a clownfish and sometimes it's a barracuda. So, you know, be careful. And so I would usually swim behind Wendy and kind of just be there. And so she knows that I'm there and she can just swim and I'm watching. And I, I think what that allows is that I'm with her and she's with me and you're doing in pairs. They tell you to snorkel in pairs, right? You do it together. What that allows is this, that allows you to explore the beauty of a world around you and to not be afraid of engaging in that world. And I think Walking with the Lord in the world that he has is kind of like snorkeling like that. Like you're in a place that's a little strange. It doesn't always feel right. And sometimes there are things around the corner that may scare you. But if God is with you, that you can explore the beauty of the world. And if your ultimate trust is in God and your ultimate fear is in him and not in the things around me, then I can explore and engage that world, trusting in him. Trusting that he is with me, trusting that I'm not alone, and that ultimately my life is in his hands. And so as we prepare to take communion, I just want us to recognize that as we come together in this time, that God is with you. And... Whatever it is that you're afraid of, whatever it is that might be taking control in your life, I want us to give a chance as we come to this communion time just to confess that to the Lord. You're not giving him new information. He knows what you're afraid of. Like he knows what your fear is. I'm just asking as we come to communion, if you take the opportunity to confess it to him that you know that you acknowledge it to him and that you're asking him. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of God, that you're asking him to say, no, I no longer want this fear to be the greatest fear in my life. I don't want this to drive my life. I don't want this to dictate my actions. I want ultimately my reverence, my worship, and my fear of you. Not a fear that's, oh, I'm afraid of what you might do to me but a fear of, Lord, I respect your power. I honor your might. I recognize your your authority. Like that, I want that to be the highest fear in my life. That when I would decide what I would do or what I wouldn't do, it wouldn't be because of what other people are gonna think of me or what might happen down the road in the future. or, Or like, I want it to be God because it's what you would want me to do please you it would honor you i want to live my life in that way and so you pull back the top of that bread over that bread and, and we we'll pull back that piece of bread that reminds us to remember the body of christ let me just pray for us lord as we hold this piece of bread in our hands we remember jesus We remember Jesus that said to us, don't fear the ones who can destroy the body. Put your fear in the right place. Put your eyes on the one who has control of the soul, who is able to to lead you to life with him or destroy the soul in hell. Put your eyes on him. He's the one you ought to be focused on. He's the one you ought to fear so as we hold this piece of bread I just want to give you a moment to confess maybe you haven't said it out loud to God God I'm afraid of maybe it's a person maybe it's losing your job maybe it's a health issue maybe it's losing someone you love God I confess that I'm afraid of this Lord, I don't want that fear to have first place in my life. I don't want that fear to guide all my actions and my thoughts and my days. I want my worship of you to guide those times. I want my worship of you to come first. I want to fear you above all that I might please you above all. Lord, we hold this of bread and we remember Christ. of Christ shed for us that we might have forgiveness of our sins so take a moment and examine your heart whatever there might be a place to just get right with God and maybe this again to say forgive me Lord for putting something before you in my life Lord we're weak we're feeble we're more afraid than we care to admit to others and often even to ourselves Lord we confess Lord that at times maybe we have put fears in our lives ahead of our fear of you and our honor and respect and worship of you that even when we've said we worship you we've actually let something else dictate the way we would act and live Lord we confess that to you and we ask that you would, by your spirit not only forgive us but help us to live our lives fully and completely For you, in the way that you would have us to live them. Lord, we ask your forgiveness.